0: And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now. I'm Jake Novak here on the Nahum Siegel Network. You can always catch my many comments throughout the course of any given day on Twitter, at Jake NY. at Jake NY is my handle. Um, the theme or the title of this program today, this edition of Novak Now, could very easily be those who need to be reserved and careful about what they say about what's going on in Iran— and those who need to be less reserved and start speaking up more about the situation and what's going on in Iran. I'm going to start with the people who need to be less reserved, who need to speak out more, who need to be more regularly talking about it. And I would put the two biggest groups of people like that are the American Democrats, especially the Democrats running for president, and I would say the leaders of Europe. Because you know we've had so many major protest movements in Iran just over the last two years and change, and we've heard so little discussion about it, and I, I, I would throw into that with the American Democrat, Democrats and the European countries, the, the mainstream news media. They also need to be less reserved. They need to talk more about it, because many of you listening here may not know that there was a massive protest movement at the beginning of 2018 at the end of 2017 going into the beginning of 2018 then of course there were others that have cropped up throughout almost all of 2019 but especially in november and early december of of 2019 and these are pro-democracy anti-regime protests that were all over the country, not just in the in the metropolitan areas of, of Tehran and places like that. They were all over the country. They've had different central points that the protesters have been rallying around. Um, in 2017 and 2018, one of the major central points was the the rules about women and the, and the forced head coverings. And that was, of course, just one part of the major religious lack of freedom and stuff that's imposed upon the people of Iran and that's just one example, but it was, a, it was pretty much the biggest issue that people associated with that protest movement in 2017, 2018. And of course, that was brutally put down by the Iranian regime. And it was, I mean, I can't remember really any one of the mainstream news organizations covering it for more than a few minutes. They certainly did not make a big issue out of it. And certainly no Democrats in Congress really made a big issue out of it at the time. Uh, despite all the women's rights and feminists who were supposedly in the Senate and, the, and, and in the House of Representatives, we did not hear from them about this very much if, if at all. And that wasn't true for President Trump. He did t- t- or very early on, talk about his support for those protesters and, and their movement. And of course, we replayed that same scenario at the end of last year, November and December of just this past year, where we also heard very little, if anything, from the mainstream news media, from the Democrats about the protests there that were more economically the, – the, the center point of those protests were the economic uh, indignities and, and suffering that the people of Iran have suffered while the nation spends so much of its resources on foreign wars and for, and foreign terrorist activities led by the now late General Qasem Soleimani who was the leader of that whole movement of foreign wars and and foreign terrorist activities, using the regime's money and resources for that as opposed to building up the domestic economy. That was really the the focal point there, set off by a hike in gas prices because in Iran the government was subsidizing the cost of gas for its people, and then they suddenly got rid of of just about all that subsidy, so the price of gasoline in Iran shot up immediately, you know, just overnight in, in November that set off these economic protests. And of course we know now that the, those protests were, were put down. We knew they were violently being put down the whole time. We just didn't know exactly what the body count was. And we're hearing basically conservative estimates from non pro Trump, non conservative outlets that say it's 1500 people, 1500 people shot and killed by the regime. Many more put in prison and tortured and who knows what else by the regime to end that protest. And during that period, we heard almost nothing, nothing from the Democrats, nothing from those Democratic presidential candidates, nothing, nothing, nothing. President Trump puts together and, and uh, well, not puts together, but, uh, but approves the operation to take out Qasem Soleimani, who many believe was the world's number one terrorist, and that used to be kind of a bipartisan agreement. Uh, Democrats and Republicans agreed that he had hundreds of thousands of lives on his hands, at least until... President Trump decided to to take him out. Now, there, you know, we heard a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say sympathy, although it sounded like sympathy sometimes in some of the coverage and some of the ways they were talking about Soleimani, but it was certainly, uh, I would say, moral equivalence type coverage and moral equivalence type wording when it came to Soleimani. And that's what we heard. Despite the fact that for months leading up to that problem, we heard all kinds of basic agreement among all sides in in Washington that this was a bad guy. That this guy was probably one of the world's number one, if not the number one terrorist. So that's what changed because President Trump did it. And we got to that point. (laughs) But despite the fact that there was so much talk about, oh, President Trump shouldn't have struck Soleimani, we're worried about war with Iran. What about the poor people of Iran? Don't they seem to really like this guy? Oh, 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 we're so worried about it. And then the people of Iran, just this weekend, starting on Saturday, continuing through Sunday, continue their protests against the against the regime. Specifically, again, the, the immediate cause of it was the shooting down of the Ukrainian jetliner that had a lot of Iranian citizens on it that Iran admitted it, it, it was responsible for, for shooting down. They say it was an accident. And that was, of course, another excuse to... To to chant death to the dictator, death to their dictator, their supreme leader Ayatollah Khamenei. Which saying that in public, you know, can get you a death sentence. By the way, so that protest starts again this weekend, and we hear nothing. All those Democrats who just a few days earlier, less than a week earlier, were were crying, yelling, saying President Trump had started a war, and saying that the Iranian people didn't want the didn't you know like Soleimani and and all that. They had plenty to say, and almost all of them were silent. I say almost all of them because. You got Joe Biden, who at 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, decided to tweet something in favor of those protesters, but he couldn't do it without starting with a long preamble. Most of his tweet was bashing President Trump. And then at the end, he says, oh, by the way, don't, you know, the regime in Iran is bad, and, and the protests should you know, be kind of supported." You can take a look at it. 4.30 on Sunday. And he's the only one of the, of, of the top five in the polls, of the big-name num- big Democratic presidential candidates. None of them have said a thing other than Biden. And Biden really couldn't do it without yelling saying something nasty about Donald Trump first and it took away whatever uh, i think it took away whatever sentiment he may have had for the Iranian people or in support of that protest the the american news media is not leading with this story is not making a big enough deal about it in my opinion this is a, because again if they're going to be consistent with their with their terminology or, or with their with their with the way that they're going to try to tell us what's important and what isn't they need to tell us, hey. They told us last week that war with Iran and with this regime is very, very dangerous, and all that kind of all that jazz. And they need to have similar sized and similar em- emphasis coverage of the fact that there is a strong pushback against the regime itself from inside Iran, and that when we support that, we have a lot of the Iranian people on our side, and we would like them to believe that, that we're on their side and we're not hearing that from the american news media and we're hearing almost nothing from any of the democrats in congress almost nothing from any of the presidential you know the leading democrats the democrats running for president nothing because of course look we know the politicians are hypocrites we know the politicians pretend to care about issues that they don't really care about and we know all that but why is there no <laughs> holding these people's feet to the fire Why isn't ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, why won't they say, hey guys, you were all tweeting and going on the air, Bernie, you were going on the air, you said that Trump taking out Soleimani was like Putin killing dissidents in his own country, and he did say that on CNN. You said all that. Now that we have this protest going on and these very brave protesters saying they want their repressive regime overthrown and they're getting shot in the streets because they are getting shot again in the streets this weekend... Why aren't you saying, hey, we got to support these people? At least You don't want to say you support Trump? So be it. But you're not coming out and you're saying you're, you, that you care about these people. We know you don't care about them. But can't these people have their feet put to the fire by somebody? And by the way, folks, understand something about the, the kid gloves that the American news media, for the most part, treats Democratic presidential candidates with and Democratic politicians with. Understand something. It's doing them no favors. This does them no favors. Do we think that President Trump's going to take it easy on whoever he debates? Or even if he doesn't get to a presidential uh, a race with some of the Democrats who are being really silent and really hypocritical about Iraq, about Iran and Iraq, and Iraq do we think that he's going to take it easy on them? Does anyone think it's a good idea to just give the Democrats a free pass? And it, it doesn't do them any favors because then they're that much less prepared. They're that much less prepared. For what they're going to be facing in a general election against Donald Trump, this, these kid gloves, these this special treatment that they're giving the Democrats, and the Democrats giving each other—you've heard me say here on Novak now—and I've written columns about it—the fact that none of the other Democrats running for president, other than Joe Biden, are willing to bring up the obviously questionable behavior or the fact, that, and, and the obviously questionable fact that his son is making all this money from a foreign government while his father was vice president. The fact that they're not bringing him up is not doing Joe Biden any favors. It isn't doing him any favors. All it's doing is it's making him less prepared for when Donald Trump unloads on him. If he's the nominee, Donald Trump will unload on him at a debate and he will not be ready for it. And he won't be ready for it because he'll have absolutely no 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 preparation. And yeah, you can say his handlers can rehearse a debate and he can have a, a zinger one-liner for it, but no. He has no idea how Trump is going to bring it bring it against him, and he'll have no strong opportunity to let this thing play out for months and months. If if Joe Biden has a good answer to this question, besides, oh, they're making they're coming after my son. He almost got cried once when he was saying they're coming after his son. I don't know why we're crying for a guy who's almost fifty years old, and and, and has millions of dollars and has not acted in a responsible way. We're, we're, I don't know why we need to cry for this person, but okay. But what he needs to do is to be challenged by his fellow Democrats over this, come up with some kind of plausible thing besides crying. And so by the time it gets to the general election, it's no longer a hot potato issue. So, yeah, he can have a zinger one-liner to respond to Trump when Trump bashes him over it, let's say, in a, in a, in a hypothetical one-on-one debate going on in the general election. But if, it, if it's new, we haven't heard it yet, we, and, and the story is still a hot story – because it hasn't really been vetted, and it hasn't, we haven't had it hasn't played out in public. it'll It'll have its it'll have its effect in a big way. So they're not doing him any favors, and the Democrats are doing themselves no favors by not being unable to say somewhat consistent about this Iran stuff. You know, they were telling us less than a week ago that this is going to start World War III. This is going to start a total war. So far, that hasn't happened. I hope it doesn't happen. We know that the missile attack last week against the bases where there were American troops in Iraq didn't seem to have much you know, of an effect at all. And we, and that may have been on purpose by the way. So we know all that and there's been no discussion from the Democrats about, well, you know, it's a good thing that Iran didn't do this. And it's a good thing that this guy, the Soleimani, is out is, is taken out. And, uh, let's see what we can do to get a regime change in a country that uh, without us getting into a war and here are these protesters who are doing that work and risking their lives and they've got nothing to say about them all of a sudden it's it's really disgraceful and it's wrong now one of the things we're hearing from in response to those of us who are saying let's support these protesters let's come out and say we really want them to succeed we don't want them to die in the streets like this we're hearing, you guys are warmongers. You want war with Iran. And the response to that is, well, A, are you an incredible ignoramus or just a run-of-the-mill ignoramus? Iran has been at war with us since 1979. To say, oh, you want war with Iran as if they're not at war with us and they aren't killing our people and aren't killing their own people and aren't killing our allies and have for a generation, more than a generation, is that ludicrous. You either are a liar or you're incredible ignoramus. These days, by the way, I I don't assume either, because so many people are so ill informed about the recent past. And when you sh- in, and and people who are like that, when they meet someone who is better informed, and may not even have such a strong opinion, but they sort of know the details of some of the of the forty years, last forty years of the Iran, they're almost treated with disdain. Like, well, how do you know that? Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking with someone and you? rattle off a, a little bit of histor- history not to be a mansplainer or a jerk but you just kind of say well you know i'm thinking about this thing that happened in 1979 and this thing that and somebody looks at you and says how do you know that <laughs> that's been happening to me since i was in high school and it's so frustrating because i'm not trying to show how smart i am I and mean, i'm not trying to like browbeat anybody but it's like the response and sometimes i do say it is how do you not know that do you never read the newspaper do you, have you never watched the news I know that because I'm paying attention. doesn't make you a bad person for not paying attention, but it does make you a bad person if you're angry at me for paying attention. Then you are a bad person. So, of course, we don't want war with Iran. Now, for those of you who don't know, the 1978-79 revolution, as crazed as it was and as overwhelming as it was in Iran, was, believe it or not, relatively bloodless. Now, of course, it came from a regime that that took over that has been incredibly bloody and has been the number one terrorist organization since pretty much as in, in, in the form of a of a national regime and yes the shah's regime that they overturned had done a lot of violent things but the actual overthrow of the shah and the shah's government was not very bloody really at all it was kind of a blo- it was almost a bloodless coup almost a bloodless revolution so the people this can happen again Now, I don't think that this regime is going to be as forgiving as the the people under the Shah were in his administration when he finally left the country. But it's possible that this does not have to be an all-out war in the streets right now, especially when that's what's happening anyway with the regime shooting protesters and things like that. It doesn't have to continue this way. And I think we're getting to a situation now where... Those, of, those who say, well, you're supporting the protesters and that means you want war, it's just incredible ignorance and it's also, or, or it's just complete dishonesty. That's right. We want these protesters to succeed and maybe overthrow a regime on their own with our at least moral support so that we don't have to go to war with Iran anymore because we have been at war. They've been at war with us for so long. There's already been a war with Iran for 40 years. They've been doing most of the fighting. All we do is sort of try to pretend it's not happening, for the most part. The taking out of Soleimani was, was, was fantastic in that, in that regard. Thank goodness for that. But absolutely, folks, they've been at war with us. We're not looking to start a war with Iran. I don't want a war with Iran. I don't know anybody who wants war with Iran. It's just a ridiculous charge. And, and also cliche just a cliche from you know, for, forever but yeah it's the opposite we want these protesters to succeed so that there doesn't have to be a war we don't want a war but if these protesters can succeed and somehow replicate in, to some degree what happened in Iran in 1978 and 79 going the other way with a relatively bloodless coup of sorts a revolution of sorts that would be nice because this regime that runs Iran, I don't think has the popular support from the people that, it, that, you know, that we've been led to believe, and they're incredibly violent, and they're sponsoring wars all over the world and killing people. What, what's there to, to, to hash out here, folks? This is a bad regime that's killing a lot of innocent people, mostly Muslims, by the way, for those folks who pretend that they really care about Muslims. Muslims. The Iranians, for all the Americans and Israelis and non-Muslims that they've killed, they've killed probably a hundred Muslims for every non-Muslim they've killed, they've been responsible for since this regime took over in 79. And a lot of them are their own Iranian people. We don't want to have any more wars with them. We want that war to end, and that's why we want this regime to be overthrown, peacefully, hopefully, but it's not going to be overthrown, and we're not going to get any change from Iran if we just keep ignoring the Iranian protesters and the Iranian people are only talking about them when it's politically expedient. And that's what we're getting for the most part from the leading Democrats. That's what we're getting for the most part from the big mainstream news media companies and newspapers. And it's more than a shame. It's a real. It's quite a disgrace. It's one of the great things, one of the many things they should be ashamed of. I mean, the list is so long. And I would really like to see something from these candidates, more than just a tweet from Joe Biden, where he spends sixty percent of the tweet bashing Trump, and then and then the last forty percent he says something sort of in favor of the Iranian protesters, but not much. It was really a weak statement from him, and nothing from the rest of them, including including Bernie Sanders, who last week got on CNN to say that Trump killing Soleimani, the world's number one terrorist, was six seven hundred thousand lives on his hands. Was similar to uh, 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 Vladimir Putin killing dissidents in his own country. I mean, it's not even. It doesn't even make sense what he said. It doesn't even make sense. Soleimani is a dissident, it, 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 you know, in the United States. It, it, it's the, the, the analogy was faulty anyway. But analogies are a poor excuse for actual debate and thinking. They're they're fun to to to, to start conversations, but it's not an answer to it in a debate question. But that's all we're getting so far, and it's so disappointing. We need more discussion of this. We need more outrage from the Democrats on this. We need more decency, and we're not getting it. Now, who needs to be a little bit more careful? Who needs to be a little bit cautious when it comes to how they discuss Iran and the situation there? And the answer there is the Israelis and the Israeli government. The Israeli and the Israeli government ha- cannot look like this is something that they are orchestrating. So I don't think they need to be 100% silent. I don't think the Prime Minister Netanyahu or the other major politicians in Israel from from all the different par- parties have to say nothing. But they have to be careful about what they do say because they don't want the impression going around the world that the... The situation in Iran is somehow encouraged by them. And the situation in Iran is somehow something that they're orchestrating. It's not. But they have to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because otherwise, you may have a situation where the world says this is just a, another form of invasion from a foreign country. And this isn't really the people of Iran getting something that they want or don't want. So that has to happen. And these Israelis need to be careful about that. So, whereas I think it was okay... And and more than okay, I think it was right for for Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Blue and White Party leader Benny Gantz to say something about how they supported the taking out of Soleimani by the Trump administration by 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 the United States, and they both did make those statements. I think after that, they need to be very careful. They can't come out and say yeah, the protesters are great. Everyone should support the protesters. They might just sort of say what they have been saying, which is, look what the regime is doing. The regime is killing its own people again. And maybe just leave it at that. But they shouldn't be the top spokespeople for the Iranian movement overseas because it's just, it's not a good look and people will think it's some kind of conspiracy and they have to be careful about it. Israel needs to be more restrained about these kinds of things. And it's, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a delicate thing for them. It's much more delicate for them. They have to be careful about that kind of stuff. They also have to be careful about, what, and what I think they have already have also, again, most of the part, for the most part, Israel has been careful, and I'm okay with it. They also need to be careful about how they respond in other ways, more than just words. They can't be dancing in the streets and having celebratory demonstrations in response to what's, what happened with Soleimani, and they didn't do that. They made a point of saying, hey, we don't dance in the streets over this kind of stuff. This isn't our style. We don't do this. And that was smart, and they should continue to make sure that doesn't happen for whatever they can do to say, look, we have free speech in Israel, but we discourage this kind of thing. And, and I, I don't think they've had to do that. I don't think that's been necessary. No one has said, hey, let's let's get thousands of people out into the streets to dance in the street and, and have a big party about Soleimani being taken out, despite the fact that he had been terrorizing Israelis and killing Israelis, either directly or indirect, indirectly, for so many years. 20, 20 years at least, more like you know, probably 22 years. So that was smart. At the same time, the Israelis need to do, continue to do what they're doing in a quiet way. There have been reports that the Israelis now, these reports came out just in the last couple of days, that the Israeli Israeli intelligence probably helped the United States locate and carry out the taking out of Kassam of Soleimani. And I think that that is also a very good idea and a very good thing. It's not something I want to hear Pre- Prime Minister Netanyahu or anybody in the intelligence community in Israel taking credit for. They just have to keep that one out there and let people either keep guessing or whatever they have to do. But it's important to, to do that because you don't, again, for the same reason that you don't want the Israeli government coming out so clearly and, and, and supporting protests so that people think this is all just an, an Israeli coup or an Israeli invasion or whatever you want to call it, or Israeli war-making. They don't want that. They can't have that. And it's important that that's how that works out in that way. Um, it's delicate. It's not something... That, again, almost everything that you we need, the Democrats in this country, and, and, the, and the mainstream news media in the United States, this country, to do, is something that we... ...don't necessarily want Israel to do right now, at least not with as much of a loud voice, at least as not with such regularity. They have to be very careful here. And again, I think for the most part they are. We did hear a, a statement today from Prime Minister Netanyahu talking about the downing of the Ukrainian jet. You know, the Ukrainian jet, it was an Ukrainian passenger jet filled with Canadians and Ukrainians and a lot of Iranians and the Iranian shot it down and they finally admitted after not after denying it for a while they shot it down and they were saying well our fault we, we we made a mistake there but ultimately really it's president trump's fault it's america's fault because they had killed Qasem Soleimani and we decided and we needed to respond to that and we were flying missiles in there and then under the fog of war you know this whole thing started as if The world's history with Iran started just a couple of weeks ago with this taking out of Qasem Soleimani. Not the 40 years of war that they've been waging against us. Not all the attacks. Not the embassy, uh, the attempted storming of the embassy just a week before that he initiated. And what was so embarrassing about that Iranian statement when they finally admitted that they shot down the, the airliner was that it almost word for word sounded like what so many Democrats have been saying on television and on Twitter in the days before that. It was almost word for word what Pete Buttigieg the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who's running for president and has some decent poll numbers going for him among the Democrats, he almost exactly said the same thing. It was almost, did Pete Buttigieg write the Iranian statement? Because a couple of days before, he tweeted the same thing. Like, well, you know, the United States started this whole thing and and that caused the confusion and that's why the Iranians shot it down, which is just outrageous. An outrageous thing for him to say, a terrible thing for him to say. And, of course, it sounds like he gave the words to the Iranians. Did he literally do that? No, I'm not saying he did that. Calm down. I'm not saying he literally wrote the statement for the Iranians. But he he did, and the Democrats in general, and there were a lot of other Democrats who said similar things on television in the days after the the shooting down of, of the Ukrainian jet. But I do think that that narrative, that phony narrative that America started something and, and Iran lost control because of it. And ultimately it's still America's fault. I think that phony narrative got a, a huge amount of airing, got an airing, got a, a hearing <laughs> and Iran was able to use it because so many Democrats had used it in the days before. And that is such a shame and such a disgrace folks. I know it's not easy for people who want to get rid of president Trump who would, who, who, maybe they're, maybe they just don't like him personally. Maybe they're Democrats and they always want a Democrat for president. I get it. And I know it's not easy because when he does a good thing, when a Democrat, and I said this last week when I talked about the, about Osama bin Laden getting taken down when, when President Obama was president. I understand that it's hard because you know that if you give him credit for this or you talk about it being a good thing, it might help the guy you don't want to win to win. I understand that. But sometimes you have to have some decency. Sometimes you have to be a decent person and say, look, this is still a good thing. And if you don't want to mention Trump, don't mention him. But don't change the realities. Don't say two plus two is five just because the two plus four equation might help Trump. And that's what we have to stop. This is Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.